Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, hope you all are enjoying the holiday season and hopefully getting some R&R time for yourselves. Um, I realized a couple weeks ago that we just celebrated the one year anniversary of 10,000 more, which is so insane to me. And it also feels like a good time to once again, thank you all for being willing to step out of your comfort zone and listen to people's stories which is not an easy thing to do, you know, when you're listening to someone share one of the worst memories that they have. But you guys are willing to hear each other and acknowledge the pain that you've overcome and the goals that you've accomplished. And I just cannot express my gratitude enough. The holidays are also a pretty critical time for us to think about how we show up for ourselves, how we love ourselves and how we show ourselves some compassion especially when you're grieving. We're so inundated this time of year with joy and cheer and as negative as it may sound, it can make you feel even more isolated when you are already feeling so miserably low. I remember my first holiday season after my dad died. At that point, it had been like four months since he died. And all I kept thinking about was how unworthy I was of joy and love. I have such vivid memories of trying to convince my husband to divorce me. It sounds so weird when I try to explain it to people. I can't tell you how many people just don't understand why I would possibly want to grieve without a supportive partner when I already had one. And when I thought about how I could articulate that point any better, I thought about devoting a podcast episode to it. So today I am so excited to be joined by Evan Rose. Evan is a dating and love life coach supporting millennial women in creating empowered dating lives and meaningful relationships. Um, Evan guides women to cultivate unconditional love and deep self-worth and create empowered, heart-centered dating lives to align with their dream partners. So Evan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, we are so excited to have you. So I mean, I always just kind of turn it over to the guest and, and we're going to let you run the show. Whoa. Yeah, right? So Such power. Where to start? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll give a little bit of context of how I even got into this work and kind of what my journey has been and, and why I'm here with you today, right? How this all ties into the grief journey. Um, I lost my dad when I was a kid um, to suicide. And I had a lot of a lot of years of work, of therapy, of, of self-work, and um, 
while I healed a lot, I, I really just saw how that loss affected the way that I saw myself and mm-hmm. how I showed up in my own romantic life um, and all sorts of things, right? The dynamics that play out with men romantically and yeah, I, I just really felt like there was a need for support um, for women especially to learn how to love themselves more deeply, to um, to really to learn to love ourselves even through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's a whole lot easier to feel confident and self-loving and proud of what we bring to the table in our relationships when we're up, right? Like when right. we're happy, when we're feeling positive, when things are going our way. And then we're not really taught in our culture how to accept ourselves and love ourselves and, and feel like we're enough even if we're messy and grieving or angry or heartbroken or um, whatever that like heavier stuff is that we're experiencing. So I just went through my own journey with this over the years and it's still an ongoing journey of course. It's so not a destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and found you know, about four years ago that I was just really craving getting back and, and being able to support women through whatever they were dealing with, whatever was keeping them stuck from fully loving themselves and from showing up and being able to create the kind of connected, healthy relationships that they were really craving. Wow. That is, yeah, that is like such a path to get to where you are today. And I, I love the connections that you make to like accepting yourself and just how hard it is to to like open yourself up to receiving love when you feel like such crap and you feel like unworthy of love, which is something, I mean, I've mentioned this on the show before that like I just had a very hard time being in a relationship after losing my dad because I was just like, I have never been this low in my entire life. And I remember saying to my husband, like, I, this is not the person you fell in love with and I will never be her again. And I'm giving you that out. And like, I want you to go be happy, blah, blah, blah. Like it was just, it was, and every time I try and share that with people, they're always like, why would you not want someone to like do this with you? Why would you not want your partner there? And I was like, cause I am unworthy cause I'm so depressed. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking um, that, that these insane standards that we hold ourselves to, right, where we think I have to be the one who's in a position to be giving to this person Correct. and enhancing their life every day in order yes. to be worthy of having their love and their support. Yes. And I, I think it's also a self-protective thing of, yeah. of wanting to isolate or pull away from people before they leave us, reject us. Yeah. Right? So we, we tend to push people away or put up walls or be really challenging to them when really all we're wanting is their connection and support and compassion and for them to see us. Yeah, I guess I just, yeah. I struggle with like, then how do you, Like, how do you reconcile that? You know what I mean? Like, 
I mean, I think it takes a lot of work and, yeah. you know, sorry, my dog is here. <laughs> my support <Yeah>. creature. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't like, how do you, I just, I feel like I spent so much time trying to get to that place where like, I felt like I was good enough for him. You know what I mean? And even friends too. I was so worried that I was going to like drive my friends away. Right. That like, I was not going to be a good friend to them anymore. I wasn't showing up for them anymore. I wasn't invested in their lives the same way. And I worried about it too because friends of mine would say things to me like, um, like for example, I had a friend, a really good friend of mine who was planning her wedding that was like, she was in the middle of wedding planning when my dad died. And then she would like, I would call her, she would call me to talk. And then she would start complaining about like wedding planning stuff that mattered but like, like seem trivial. In the scheme of things, sure. Exactly. But like, but I've been there and I know that they matter. And I, I also hate when people like silver lining problems where it's just like, well, you don't get to be sad about that because it could always be worse. Like, sure. But right now this is bad. And, you know, it's not like I wish her ill. Like, it's like I, like I need her to experience the bad stuff for her to be, you know what I'm saying? Totally. Well, and and you can have the perspective in the moment to recognize, hey, I know this matters to you. It's it's not trivial, and I'm not in a place today in yeah. this moment to be able to hold space for you. Yeah. Or show up for you. Right. And I think that's where we have to give ourselves so much permission and compassion that we're we're not able to be there for other people in every moment. Or to be yeah. what everyone needs in every moment. And and kind of zooming out and looking at if these friendships, if these romantic relationships, family relationships are hopefully going to be decades long or lifelong, there are going to be seasons where yeah. we're the ones who are struggling or needing to lean more on our people, where they're the ones who are struggling. You know, unfortunately, grief, loss, it's something we're all going to deal with at different points throughout our lives. Right. And, and other kinds of trauma. And grief. Stress, I mean, grief isn't just grief. death, you know, it's right. transition, it's change, it's mm-hmm. endings of any kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think, do you think that this is like one of the hardest things that you see as a love coach is like the ability for, I've, this is a sweeping generalization, but I'm going to make it anyway. That Do you think, I feel like women are much more concerned with giving and how they are being perceived as givers versus men? Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. Well, that's our cultural conditioning. Right? Absolutely. Mean, there, there are very specific roles that right. we've been taught explicitly and implicitly from when we're little girls that say, this is what you're valued for. Yep. Right. Yep. And for myself, I know so much of my identity and, and so much of what I thought I brought to the table was you're a great friend. You're such a good listener. You're so compassionate. Yeah. Um, right. It's all these like caretaking qualities. Yeah. And um, the the worst thing we're taught that we can be as women. Well, one of them, they're so many. many. The list goes <laughs> on. That's another <laughs> episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, it, but one of the worst things is to be selfish. Yes. 
right? It's like, that's why we, I mean, I'm working with women in their 30s who are really thinking about self-care for the first time as something deeper than face masks and massages. Right. And, um, And who have all this guilt and shame around putting themselves first or taking care of themselves at the quote-unquote expense of someone else's yep. needs or comfort yep. or, right? But that was the hardest, that was like one of the hardest things for me when I was grieving was the fact that I have never felt so selfish in my entire life as I did yeah. in that, at that, in, I mean, I think you grieve for the rest of your life, as you said, like it is the journey. It's never like a destination where you're done, but it's, I'm talking about in like the immediate months, maybe even the first year after losing my dad, where I just like, I didn't know how to give to other people. And it was this huge piece of my identity because like what you just said, like this is also something I truly pride myself on yeah. is my ability to like be a good friend and be a good listener and supportive and put up, like drop whatever I'm doing to go be with a friend who needs me, you know? And then that just like changed yeah. You know? I, yeah, totally. And I think one thing that can be helpful is to to remind ourselves, okay, if this were my friend, or exactly. when this my friend who's hurting or grieving, it actually feels so good for me to be able to be there for her. And I don't, I'm not expecting my friends to be positive and giving and taking care of me in every moment. Right. Right? We don't hold other people to the same standards we hold ourselves to. Oh, no. I am held to the absolute highest standard by yeah. myself. Like, no one else has such unrealistic expectations yeah. They're allowed of to me. be human. <laughs> right, right. We are allowed. You know, we're only allowed right. to be perfect. Right. And or else we're a burden. Exactly. On everyone else. And we're unworthy. I mean, it's wild. So, yeah. I mean, that's even a little exercise of just imagining. And I do this to myself all the time, especially with my self-talk right? The way that we're like speaking to ourselves in our minds is, can I pretend for a second this isn't me, but this is a woman in my life who I love. Yeah. And then it's like, I would never talk to her this yeah. way. I would, I would tell her to rest when she needs to rest. Right. I would tell her to feel her feelings. I would tell her that I love her. And, yeah. Right. And then can we offer that to ourselves? And it's a practice. It's not an overnight fix. I know this. I equate this to like meditation, which I just can't do. I can't. I guess I haven't tried hard enough. But like I, every time I just, it's, it is a practice. Like it is an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing that requires focus. But yeah, I just, I am like, no one is meaner to me than myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think we all, it's such a, um, it takes so much intention to unlearn that. Yeah. It's just, it's natural, unfortunately. Yeah. That we are our biggest critics and, um, you know, we've like accumulated all this fear and that we we're trying to, um, protect ourselves or, you know, it's, it's crazy if you think about it because the voice that we hear by far the most in our life is our own right like we're talking to ourselves all day we have i forget how many hundreds of thousands of thoughts 
day. Millions. Don't quote me on the number. Yeah. That's, yeah. But we're constantly, constantly, right, that inner dialogue. And so it, the first step is just getting aware of it, like getting conscious around it and starting to notice, oh my gosh, like I yeah. shame myself when I'm sad. Yeah. Right? I tell myself that's not okay. I should be over it. Other people, you'll be difficult, too difficult to love or be around or you should be productive all the time and you can't slow down and you can't and just noticing those patterns yeah and and really thinking about the toll that that takes on us and how unhelpful that is in our healing and yeah right yeah and and you know I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that this is this is such a an interesting time of year for several reasons. I just I find the holidays to be difficult. One, it's hard, you know, it's just a hard time of year when you've lost someone and it's like this joyous time of year and you feel like you can't fully participate in that. And it is such a time it's a time that is so focused on showing compassion for others but yourself. You know what I mean? Like between being giving and like the gifts and the kind acts of like treating the person to coffee behind you like you know what I mean? like we're just so we're so inundated with these messages of like cheer and joy and it's just yeah we we would do it in a heartbeat for another person for a stranger but it's when I have to show myself compassion and step back and tell myself that like it's okay that I am in this dark place right now, it, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I feel you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is just, well, I think it's also like offering ourselves compassion or acceptance even like maybe that's the first step. Maybe compassion is too much of a stretch. In some yeah. Ways. Yeah. And acceptance to me is just like, Okay permission to be where I am right now mm. right that's like, interesting yeah this is what I'm feeling in this moment and can I just accept that because it is what it is yeah I don't have control over it yeah so when I rail against what is right. when I refuse to accept what is what I'm feeling in this moment I just heap on a whole bunch of judgment and shame and like that's not going to help us get out of a dark place. Right, right. And so the opposite, it's compounding it. So if I can just accept it, and then as I practice acceptance, okay, now can I reach for a little bit of kindness or compassion? Yeah. And and again, that might not be some huge thing. That might be like, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea. Yeah. Because that would feel comforting right now. Rather right. Rather than like, I don't even deserve that because other people need things I don't deserve tea yeah Yeah, no (laughs) no I know what you mean and I I think that's such a good point and I think it's very hard because you know the five stages of grief Mm -hmm. I assume you're familiar Mm -hmm. so the last the last stage is acceptance which is like the hardest to get to because it means you're accepting this fate as truth and I see it a lot as like relinquishing control. Mm. And every time I think about this, I'm like, I'm not a control freak. But then I'm like, 
I want power over everything in my life. So then I'm like, maybe I am a control freak, but <laughs> is that what control freak means? <laughs> then yes. But, um, so yeah, like on the, on the one hand, I love that, that, okay, fine. Don't give yourself the compassion. That's too far, but just mm-hmm. allow yourself, give yourself the recognition that you are not where you used to be. You are not who you used to be. I don't know. Yeah, and and I think we we start at like the smallest, most accessible thing. So that might even just be when I say acceptance, I mean like I accept that I'm feeling sad in this moment. Mm. Oh yeah, okay, that's much more manageable. Yeah, not like I accept this entire thing. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right? It's like I accept or I give myself permission to just feel what I'm feeling or to be where I am right now. Let's talk a little bit about shame, which is something you and I, well, something you and I had previously spoken about and something I've, I've tried to articulate a lot when I've tried to explain what this experience is like to friends or other people and I just keep thinking of the word shame and everyone's just like how is that related to grief if you're like you're not blaming yourself I'm like it's not that yeah you know yeah so shame you know one thing that I just think is helpful to call out real quick is the difference between shame and guilt Mm. Right. So, and this is from Brene Brown's work. This is not my. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, framework. She's the shame researcher. Oh, yeah. That's I. How could yeah. I forget? Um, how could I forget? She's incredible. Yeah. So, so she, in her research, she defines the difference as guilt is, um, I did something bad, mm. and shame is, I am bad. Oh, oh my god! I just got chills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So guilt can be. Um, motivating like guilt is a little bit you know healthier or like has a little bit more benefits where we can say like oh I really don't feel good about that choice I made or that thing I did but I'm still a a good person Mm. um and so now I can go back and or not go back I can do better next time yeah yeah and shame is when we internalize and we feel like this is a reflection of me right so rather oh. than like I cheated, I am a cheater, mm. and mm-hmm. that really keeps us stuck and trapped when we take on the identity. Right, it, it becomes self-perpetuating, and so I guess the way that I would tie this to grief is we we start to define our identities as this. Um, you know, person with this loss or this grief or, um, that we're broken. I mean, that was one of mine for a while was like, I'm damaged. Right. Right. I'm broken. And then like that is so to me tied into that was my own, like not enoughness, Mm. not deserving. Right. What kind of person wants to take on, the project of this exactly yes girl. project is such a good word yeah 
what an awful feeling to see yourself that way and to think that other people are seeing you that way, which, by the way, they're probably not. Because, again, this goes back to, like, how critical we are of ourselves. Yes, 100%. Um, Yeah, so, like, I think there's something huge here in, again, using that guilt-shame framework of how can we start to see, like, this is something that happened to me. This is a part of my life and, of course, has impacted me and affected me. Yeah. And I am grieving and I'm feeling heartbreak or I'm feeling, you know, all these emotions and I am not this this doesn't define me or make me less worthy or make me not a right yeah yeah person anymore I I mean I I I think there's so much validity in everything you just said and I there's I have so many follow-up thoughts Mm -hmm. (laughs) so one of them is I feel like my my experience with grief is exclusively with someone who I lost to suicide. And there is a lot of shame in that. Because I don't identify, I know that like there's not something that I did. So it's not guilt. But like embarrassment, I don't know. You know what I, I mean? I know that yeah. I know that this is something you can relate to. Um, yeah. I just kind of uncovered something in the last year or two that I actually shared about on online because it felt important to come out with, which is exactly as you said, I was like, I know because my mom and therapist and all of you told me from when I was eight and lost my dad to suicide, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. Yeah. And I was like, duh. Right, right, right. That's not the problem. Right. However, um, the deeper really painful belief that I uncovered and the shameful belief for me was um but maybe if I had been enough he Mm. would have stayed Mm -hmm. so not that I did something that made him take his own life right um but like why wasn't I enough right why wasn't our relationship enough why wasn't having me as a daughter why wasn't our family or right like could all of it anything more that I could have done or any better that I could have been that would have made him stay totally not rational right but you know understand (sighs) but it's that's a really sticky right I know so it's like I don't know on the one hand I want to say that I think it like makes I think it I think there are aspects to grief that everyone can relate to who has lost someone or who has grieved or experienced a transition or loss or something of any kind. But there is that aspect of suicide where some of it does seem like it is in your control. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. obviously I don't know. I'm able to separate myself from my dad's mental illness, but I I don't know how to like articulate this. I have I've been trying to articulate this for like years trying to think of how I can 
define the difference between losing someone to suicide and losing someone to natural causes like cancer or something where like it truly was not in that person's control. And there's this little piece of me that is like, there, this, is, was in, this was in your control. This was in my control. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm 31. Like, I, I have the wherewithal. I'm an extremely self-aware person. I'm going to school to be a freaking therapist for crying out loud. Like, I know that this, there was nothing I could have done. There, no shame should be felt. No lack of, you know, I, I am sufficient. You know, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm rambling, but. No, I mean, I, I think this even goes hand in hand with what you were talking about earlier of seeing ourselves as caretakers. Yeah, yeah. And this feeling of like, well, if we are these intuitive, self-aware, um, compassionate women who are devoting our lives to helping people, yeah. by the way. Yes, yes. Um, but, I, you know, I had all these thoughts and feelings before this was my work also. Um, yeah, there, I think there's always going to be that thought of like, but is there more I could have done? Yeah. Should I have known that he was at that final straw? Point. Or yeah. what if we had spent more time, you know, I mean, I have a client who um, lost her dad, you know, similarly. Mm. And um, e- even beyond, we were just exploring like, what are all of those kind of shameful thoughts and even beyond that is there more I could have done there are things like um that that like fight we had like yeah. I know that he felt really bad about that like that probably just compounded things for right. him right or you know I stopped reaching out as much because I was trying to take care of myself right and have healthy boundaries with this person right who was, who was ill um but like what if that had been I mean, you can what if till you're blue in the face. Like I, I, I know that. And, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think about, cause I, shame is such a, I mean, you, it just, it gets in the way of your ability to connect with people and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether that's new relationships or old ones. I mean, I had been with my husband for many years. I've known him for 10 years. And even then I just felt I, yeah, the shame was just getting in the way of us loving each other. Mm-hmm. Me feeling worthy of love. I, I want right. to correct that because he was great and was loving me and was doing all the right things. And yeah, it just makes us like to me when I think of the word shame and feeling shame, it's like this feeling of wanting to like curl up in a little ball and disappear. Yes, and just like, hide. Like, not feeling worthy of being seen. Right. Um, so, yeah, when you think about that physical, like, contraction, you know, turning into ourselves, wanting to not be seen. Yeah. It's it's the ultimate disconnector. Yeah. I know and it's... ironically, like, what heals shame is bringing these, this stuff out into the light and receiving empathy and feeling connected through it and realizing how human and universal... Yeah. You know, these thoughts and feelings and experiences are. Yeah. And then it's like that cycle of just like, mm-hmm. this helps shame, but I'm not worthy, but it helps, mm-hmm. but I can't. So it's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you literally can't win. It was interesting. I was telling a friend that I was, um, that this was an episode that I was, an upcoming episode chatting with 
you know, a, a dating and love coach and just how, how the problems that are, that are created by grief really impact how you show up in relationships, whether you're looking to date or you are in a relationship. And she was just like, well, who's thinking about dating when they're grieving? I was just like, everybody. Like that's not, and, and, and then it also goes back to the point of like, do you grieve for the rest of your life? Right. Like, I mean, yeah. So it's just, it's so interesting. This, the perception that people have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can be newly married and lose someone. You can be 10 years into a relationship. You could be, um, you could have had a loss three years ago. Like you're not going to put your life on hold if you have that desire to connect romantically, right? Even if you're not feeling fully healed, whatever that means, right? Um, <laughs> the, like, like the best version of yourself, right? You could also be. I mean, I have a, I have a close friend who's in a new relationship right now. Um, they're like just starting to really build and deepen, but it's it's really a beautiful relationship, and she's in the process. Her mom's in has stage four cancer, and so she's in the. She knows that her loss is imminent, but there's no timeline. And I remember one discussion we had recently was like, she was like, do I bring someone new into this? Mm. But at the same time, she's like, it could be a year. Do I, why would I put my life on hold and not pursue something that feels really good? Right? Yeah. I mean, and I I so support the, yeah, that path of like, do what feels good. Allow yourself to right. have connection and love and trust that other people can either handle it and and navigate it or they take responsibility for their own experience and yeah. they need to say, I can't be here for this. That's their choice. But it's yeah. not our job to anticipate what other people need or are capable of yeah. handling. Same thing with our friends. Same thing with the whole burden thing, right? It's right. like let them all decide. We can do is ask for what we need and do the best we can, right? And let them speak up and ask for what they need, or tell us if right. if they need to set a boundary, or you know what feels okay or not okay. For right, them. right. Oh, that's so. Yeah, I I can't. I I just can't imagine having. It's also so interesting. I think about this every time I have these conversations with people on various episodes because, you know, every loss is so different. And But mm-hmm. I just, I can't imagine, like, the slow death. I know. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. I knew that's what you are going to say because yeah. I have this same conversation all the time. Oh, and yeah. Then, and of course, you know, and then whoever you're talking to is like, no, I can't imagine the sudden loss. Right. You know, at least we have time to have the conversations we need to have. Yeah. And express ourselves and, and you know, take care of things as best we can. And, um, yeah, it's like there's no. No, I know. I feel like I, I, totally <laughs> I feel like I mentioned this on every episode, like right when after, when I was in therapy, like after my dad died and I was just like emotionally processing and talking and thinking with my therapist and that I was just like, I wonder if it would be worse if he like died from cancer and like a slow death versus like just a sudden death. And she was like, why does that, why are we talking about this right now? I was like, eh. 
just just throwing it out there yeah (laughs) like because i'm dark now i'll I'll tell you a big um like kind of mind-blowing realization i had recently i was talking with my mom maybe a year ago and i was um something that comes up for me that i know is really common is like grief at each new life stage for my dad not being there Oh right? yeah! Oh so yeah! So it's like the, the the loss of the imagined yes future yes together etc. Oh yes. Um, and one thing she said to me that was so profound is she was like, "Remember that you're imagining that he would be there, but that he would be healthy, mm. right? Which he wasn't. Like that he would be right. that it would be a really healthy." positive relationship in my life and Mm. when I think about having my own kids that he would be and um not not to invalidate my uh need to grieve totally yeah future but I had this huge like holy shit moment Mm -hmm. of you know the alternative for me likely given that my dad was severely depressed and struggled with addiction and um was likely bipolar yeah um, you know, I have friends who have parents or close family members who are still living and who've had to go through decades of really, really challenging, painful relationships yeah. with them and sometimes even suicide attempts over mm. the years or, yeah. um, right, like worrying every day yeah. that they'll get traumatic news. Yes, and, yes. And and how do I incorporate that person into my life with my kids in a way that's healthy? And yeah. I was just like, wow, you know, it, yeah, I, I just, it, wow, it helps yeah. me to lean into that trust that even though I wouldn't have chosen this, and I think that's a really important distinction, yeah, um, that I just have to trust that like, however things have played out is what it needed to be and that, right. like, this was just the path and I don't yeah. know why and it's not perfect but no but that is such a profit like I have never thought of it that way and I wonder I wonder if because when you were saying that like how your mom articulated that you know you're you're envisioning a person who wasn't there like something yeah. that wasn't even real which I so get. Yeah. And also, it makes me think of like when I have gone through a breakup, for example, that I would be so depressed and miserable over like all of the great times in our relationship, completely ignoring why we were horrible together. You know, like right. it's just, I just, I think that's such a natural thing to do. You know, when you're, it's so easy to forget that stuff when you're so sad because you just miss that person so much I even felt like my dad I mean my dad and I were exceptionally close but like we had our issues and he had his his issue I mean he had like a really bad temper sometimes and I remember I remember the point in my grief where I remembered all of that about him like there was like a year where I was just like he was so great he was so wonderful this that the other which he was but like and then I, rem- I I had like put all of that other stuff away in the box, in my brain, in the back of my brain. I never thought of it again. And then it was like a year and a half or so into my grief. I was like, oh yeah, that was really messed up. Like I remember when that happened. And then like more, it was just so interesting. Yeah. 
we like in retrospect we forget that our loved ones who we lost were human too yeah right yes like those relationships were probably complex because every relationship is and yeah right I so hear you on that and something else just came to mind for me around the shame piece which is also I remember feeling really ashamed of feeling angry oh yeah oh my my gosh yes and even having some anger at my mom or other adults at that point feeling like could they have done yeah and like feeling so icky yeah having those Mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. because you know I sad was the only thing I would let myself be or thought was I thought was appropriate right um so man there's just a lot of to okay I have a personal question but that's why but that's why you're here (laughs) um what is it like for you you know, you do this for a living, you are coaching and empowering these women for a living. Surely you have your days where you are maybe not inundated with your grief, but it's weighing a little heavier on you. Um, and you're not feeling so self-compassionate nitty. What do you, how, like, how are you able to, to show up for your clients? I think about this as like a future therapist, like how yeah. do you do this? I love that question. Well, one difference between coaching and therapy, that's part of the reason I chose coaching, and I could be wrong about this um, from a therapist perspective, but mm-hmm. there, there's less of a boundary with coaches and our clients where mm-hmm. we get to share a little bit more about like who we are and where we're at on any given day. And I, what I've heard from client after client over the years that's been really validating for me is that what allows me to be a great coach for them is that I do show up in all of my humanity Mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, I had a client a couple weeks ago who was like, I'm really struggling with body image and the way that I'm talking to myself around my body. And I was like, Oh my gosh, girl, I'm right there with you. I've like just been going through this. I, I, you know, gained some weight after the summer and I like had all these old thoughts come yeah. up. And, and so I was able to share like, and here's what I'm doing. And it's a practice and I haven't like yeah. totally perfected it yet, but here's what's been helpful for me. And, um, it, it, it's really powerful to be able to say, um, yeah, I like cried this weekend and I gave myself a space to feel my yeah. feelings and I journaled and I like here are the tools that I used and I um I don't for the most part shame myself anymore around having all that range of human emotion yeah and here's how I took care of myself and I reached out to a friend when I really didn't want to because I don't like people seeing me cry but I did it because I knew that's yeah. what I needed and so getting to share that with my clients um I think is so powerful for them to see what's possible for them totally rather than someone sitting on their pedestal saying like 
yeah, I'm just happy 24-7, and I love myself all the time, and, right, I don't deal with any of this, and, like, you can get here, too. That's not realistic. Yeah, like, no way. It's not attainable. But social media makes that so hard. Yeah. Like, it's not, not, like, just for you, but I'm just saying, like, it's just impossible to feel content with your life when you, like, Granted, I know that you have to, like, give permission for that to happen. And you have to be able to separate yourself from it and blah, blah, blah. But if that aside, I mean, just getting on Instagram for five minutes and you just see happy people. I talked about this a while ago, but, like, looking on Instagram and seeing people who I know had also experienced loss and being, like, they're so much better than I am right now. Like, they're so happy. Look how beautiful. They're, like, perfectly curated feed is everything like color matches and like my life is just in shambles you know what I like totally yeah and then you just have to be like (laughs) reality check yourself yeah right it looks so beautiful in that photo right which is a snapshot of one moment right is post that is filtered that is instagram worthy quote unquote yes you know it like says nothing you know, it, it's, it's, um, yeah, we do a lot of work in my program around comparison with relationships as well. I mean, my, I was in a long-term relationship years ago where I was posting lovey-dovey, adorable pictures of us that were getting so much, you know, mm-hmm. response and mm-hmm. positive responses, um, right up until the day we broke up and everyone was shocked Yeah, because I wasn't posting I, he falls asleep and I lie there trying to manage my own anxiety attack because I feel so lonely in bed with this person mm-hmm. and right like I'm not posting that well right right <laughs> so it, it, we just have such skewed ideas right we're looking at tiny curated moments in people's lives and comparing it to everything that we're going through exactly internally, all the real stuff. exactly um and I think it's that's why it's so important to me to have real, like in person or virtual, but community, mm-hmm. like specifically to put myself in spaces and communities that are committed to, to being vulnerable and real. Yeah. Um, and just like getting those constant reminders yeah. that we're all going through our stuff that we yes. all have our like very real challenges um yeah yeah no I know I think yeah yes a hundred percent and I think I mean I think that shows up in any relationship that we have whether it is romantic or even friendships because then you like see friends doing stuff and either like you know you let your you'll think like well why didn't they invite me or they look so good like I don't look like that you know like it just Mm -hmm. You have to yeah. let it. You have to let it. I, I know that. Like, you can't. Well, and let I it. think the more that we can, um, the more that we can show up authentically and vulnerably with our friends and people in our lives, like, the more, like, when I reached out, to, you know, that day recently when I was feeling really emotional and I reached out to a couple friends and I let them see me in that spot, not only yeah. did I get the empathy and the, love that I needed in that moment but it gives them permission to show themselves more fully and so like yeah. we 
we've created relationships that are really vulnerable and where and um I, I just think it's important that we we're not waiting for other people to be vulnerable first which is a lot of what we do mm-hmm. um and that we just trust like if i reveal more of myself if i'm willing to say yeah i'm not perfect or like this part of my life feels really together right now and this part feels like a shit show or you know you see how amazingly my business is going but like I'm having these whatever imposter syndrome thoughts yeah yeah I did you know I did that big project but yeah I'm beating myself up over not being perfect or you see my big happy family pictures but I'm barely on speaking terms with my mom right like once we can share those things more we yeah. create openings for other people to share themselves more vulnerably and we really start to then feel more connected and and um start seeing people for yeah, yeah I I think That's my cool. one of my one of my biggest takeaways from this before we wrap we're not going to wrap up yet cuz I do have one more thing I want to talk about but like just the whole idea of like letting people, what I'm hearing a lot of is like the idea of, of letting, giving people the chance to show up for you. Yeah. Um, which I just, I feel like I'm really bad at. And it's so interesting because you, you talked about like letting your friends see you in this vulnerable place and all this stuff, but it's like, I don't like calling my friends or any of that stuff when I'm crying and really upset about my grief which you wouldn't guess because I have a podcast about it. So I clearly have no problems being open. But going back to that whole idea of it being curated, I edit this thing forever and I add music. And then by the time I actually publish it, it's been like three weeks. So like, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not real time. Yeah. Which for better or worse, I mean... Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Yeah. The exact same way. Yeah. It's it's a lot easier to say. Even three days later, I can say like, "Girl, I was a mess on Saturday." Right. Here right. Like I cried, but that's so different than being like, "My voice is shaking, and I'm on the phone with you." Right. That's so much more vulnerable. Right. Oh my gosh, it's so uncomfortable. Right. It's scary. Right. But I'll tell you, after. And here's the thing, like, I didn't even, it's not like I reached out because I was like, I need you to come over, I need, I was, I literally just said, um, I feel like I need to be seen in this spot, because I'm, like, isolating my temptation, Mm -hmm. my instinct is to, like, hole up when I'm feeling something. Right. And then, like, put on a happy face when I'm ready to go back out into the world. Right. And that feels really isolating. And that's where the shame accumulates, because we're literally sending ourselves a message i'm not worthy of being seen when i'm feeling this yeah crying angry down um and so this was like a super brief me reaching out you know a few minutes later i can't tell you the relief i felt of just feeling connected yeah because i i just think like fundamentally connection is what we're all craving and what is the most healing thing in the world totally it's not anyone saying the perfect thing to you no i always there's nothing that can be said no exactly and i always like also said that to my friends i was just like 
you know, you're not going to say anything to make this better. No one can say anything. To, sorry, that was my dog again. Sorry. Um, no one can say anything to make any of this better. You're not going to make me happy. But yeah, I guess it is that human connection. I mean, not I guess. I know it is. I know that human beings are connection craving creatures. This is like who we are and it's what we do. And um, it's a very basic need. So before we wrap up, I want, so you, I want you to tell us about that camp that you worked at this summer. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I volunteer with this amazing organization called Comfort Zone Camp. It is a kid's bereavement camp. So Mm. it's for kids who've lost, um, a parent or sibling um, or, you know, a really close family member. And it's a totally free camp for the kids. Oh my God, that's so cool. And, yeah, all the volunteers are there. Mm. Um, you know, that's what volunteers need. Not right. paid. Um, <laughs> and it's this beautiful, safe space for mm. kids to come and have a really incredible combination of just, like, fun camp times where yeah. they just be kids right. and be themselves. Yeah. And um there are healing circles led every morning, every afternoon by counselors and therapists. Um mm. there there's a memorial service where mm. all the kids get to honor the person they lost. There's sharing time. It's incredibly powerful. So cool. Yeah. And they have them they have the camps um all over the country mainly east coast in like virginia new jersey mm-hmm. area and then um southern northern california but there are a few others comfortzonecamp.org i think okay um yeah i i just cannot recommend getting involved with them enough um it's awesome whether or not you've lost someone they're right they're volunteers who haven't yeah um, many have and i will say that not only is it incredibly fulfilling and rewarding to get to be a big buddy to yeah. a camp on the weekend, which is what you are. It's a <laughs> one-to-one. Oh, wow. It's amazing. So you're like with one kid the whole weekend as their anchor. Oh, my God. But you don't have to be – you're not counseling them, so you don't need to have any right. background in anything. Um, but it's also really healing and really powerful for the volunteers. I'm, I can like, imagine. I so much out of it. I can imagine. Oh my God, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Evan, thank yeah. you so much for being here with me and for sharing everything that you did. And, and I know that I learned so much and I will uh, keep your number on speed dial. Yes, please do. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm, I'm always happy to have these really raw conversations because yeah. I don't think they happen enough. Nope. So thank you for having me. Thanks. Um, and you guys can check out more about what Evan is up to at evanrosecoaching.com. So it's E-V-I-N-R-O-S-E coaching.com or find her on Insta at Evan Rose. Um, yeah, reach out to her. Let her let her know what you need. She's This was so great. Here. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> yeah.